Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Keever, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to thank you for joining us today. This year, we're talking about how we can find a way through Jesus Christ and His working in our life and through the Holy Ghost to win every day. And by winning every day, I don't necessarily mean that we see everything we want to happen in that day happen. Uh, that's just not practical. That never It never works that way. But to win every day to me means we can finish every day knowing that we're in God's will, in God's purpose, uh, holding on to joy, holding on to faith, knowing that the promises of God are at work. We don't have to go to bed every day feeling like we've been defeated. I want to win today, and one of the most important things that, that helps me do that is just to know that God is with me, that He'll Jesus will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. But there's been a lot of things that we've looked at so far, and right now we are dealing with how should we respond to trying times. Listen, we are living in a very, very difficult season, and although there have been many other seasons like this, and they have all uh, ultimately resulted in some kind of a move of God. And I tell you, I think something is happening in our nation right now, and I think in other parts of the world. We've many of you have heard about the the move of God, the things that are happening in Asbury and Kentucky. But this, I'm hearing things all over the country and even other parts of the world where God is beginning to do the same thing. I, I'm very excited. I think we're about to enter into something really wonderful and really powerful. Uh, but we are in a trying time, and I think in terms of the severity of ungodliness, in terms of uh, the potential for danger. This is the worst time in in my 69 years, and I lived some through some interesting times in the in the 60s and in the 70s and and through 80s and even 90s, all of that. But this is somehow different, and I think worse, but different. And I believe the reason is we're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And so as we face these trying times, how are we going to respond to them? What is it that we're supposed to do? How can we be successful and win every day when we're going through all of these things that are that are around us and, and coming against us or just that we have to live through in the world where we are right now? And we're looking at this point at the Test, uh, testing, trying, temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. The word in the New Testament that's used for temptation uh, can also be translated testing and carries with it the idea of being tried, uh, being assayed like gold. Uh, is It's tried for its uh, or tested for its quality. And so whenever we're in this situation uh, of being tempted, tested, and tried, there are a few things we need to remember very quickly and review that Jesus was led by the Spirit 
spirit into the wilderness, you're not going into any time of testing or trying without Jesus being there with you. And the Holy Ghost, as Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be a comforter or to be a helper, that's what that word really means, one drawn alongside to help. You're not going through this without that helper. Jesus sent him and he's there with you right now. And the other thing to, that, that will help us to win is to remember that this temptation ended up in Jesus coming out in the power of the Holy Ghost, where before he hadn't really done any mighty works. When he got through this, that's when we begin to see tremendous numbers of mighty works happening everywhere that he went. And also that we can count it all joy because we know that in the end, kind of a similar idea, that if we let patience and joy have its work in our lives, let this thing play through as God needs it to in us, we count it joy, we rejoice in it, not for it, but in it, then in the end, we will be perfect, complete, entire, whole, lacking nothing. I'm looking forward to that more and more in my life. Now, I want to go back to looking at this testing time in Jesus' life, and there's something I want to focus on a little bit more. We, we've kind of touched on it, but it just was so clear to me as I read the scripture again uh, as I was preparing for this, and uh, Jesus was tempted by the devil. Now, <laughs> there's a problem here when we think that the testing was by God. It doesn't say, well, let's read the scripture again, uh, chapter 4 of, of Luke. Uh, actually, I'm in Matthew, but that'll work. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. He was led into the Spirit, into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost, but he was tempted by the devil. Folks, one of the things that we're going to have to re realize if we're going to win every day in these trying times is that tempting, testing, and trying does not come from God. It comes from the devil. Now, the Holy Ghost did lead him into a place where he could be tempted, tested, and tried. And that will happen in our lives. But it was not God that did the tempting. It was not the Holy Spirit that did the tempting. It was the devil that brings these things against us. God often will work a purpose in that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's the devil that is the tempter. Why is this so important? Well, number one, if we view God as the problem... What are we going to do about it? How are we going to cooperate? How are we going to flow? How are we going to how are we going to deal with living in in this time of trial? Well, you say we just you know let it happen. God is doing what He wants to do, and we let God do it. Well, there's a truth to that. But if God is your problem, then when you sit back thinking that way, what you're really thinking is there must be something so wrong with me that God brought all this negative, all this these problems, all all this pressure into my life. So I guess I just have to wait under it and let it happen. Just like we talked about patience, that patience is not just uh, not complaining in the midst of a problem. It's resisting the devil. It's it's doing what God needs us to do in the problem. And so God is not your problem. God wasn't Jesus' problem. And the truth is, what God was doing was, was bringing Jesus to a place where something more could be released in his life. Now, what, what we really need to understand in the time of, of temptation, testing, or trial is that God, if God isn't the problem, see, if we think he's the problem, 
there's going to be a natural tendency even to back away from him more. But the truth is, what did Jesus do in this time of tempting, test, uh, temptation and trial? He drew closer to God. He went to the word. He resisted the devil. When the devil came and talked to him about these temptations, he didn't say, well, I guess, you know, it sure sounds right. I guess I must just not be good enough. And that's why you're able to do this. And maybe I should just give in. No, never, ever, ever, ever think that way. Don't allow the devil to get that into your head. Instead, do what he did. Draw closer to God. The Bible says that he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, and during that time he fasted. And we're only going to read, as we look at this later uh, in, a, in another uh, podcast, about the, la- the end part of this. And we're really reading about the end part of it now. He'd already been through this for 40 days. He didn't cave in those 40 days, but I guarantee you, All of them weren't wonderful, light, and lovely days, but during that time, he drew closer to God. He drew closer to the Word. Now, he was the Word made flesh, and that's part of why the Word came out of him, but I also think during that time of testing and trial, any person is is tested, and he'll meditate. If he wants to be successful, going to meditate in the Word, going to think about God, going to think about the promises, even if it's in, in his emotions or in his physical body, he's stressed and strained. He's going to think about he's thinking about God. That's what we need to do. Not everybody does, but I'm saying that's what we need to do. We need to think about God. We need to meditate on the promises of God. Now, Jesus was the word made flesh, but you and I, we need to go to the Bible, hallelujah, and meditate on what God said. Meditate on the promises. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. That's such an important thing that we need to do when we're going through times of testing and trial. And and the truth is, for most of us, when we're in these times, we have a tendency to pull away from God rather than press into God. And that's the last thing we need to do. Jesus did what it took to do to get through it and through it successfully. And when he did, he came back in the power of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we're going through these difficult times and we wonder if, you know, if there's something wrong with us and we're really going to look at that in a moment and we wonder what's going on. But if we'll just draw near to God, if we'll go to the word of God, if we'll do exactly what Jesus did, then we're going to have the same results. I I can't guarantee you how long a test is going to last. Last, I can't guarantee you how long you're going to be in that place, but I can guarantee you one thing. You're going to get out and when you get out, you're going to be stronger than when you went in. Now, uh, what is the wilderness? That's the other thing that I want to kind of focus on. Is the wilderness itself the test? It really isn't. The wilderness is the place of testing and trial. The temptation came from the devil. Now, the Holy Ghost led Jesus into this place. Why? Not for him to stay there. Here's number one. that If you're going to win every day, you need to remember something. The wilderness is not where you're called by God to live. There are people that I've dealt with over the years, and it's probably not so much now, but there was a point in time, and, and maybe it is for some, where we we kind of glorified the wilderness. We kind of romanticized the wilderness. Oh, yes, brother. I'm just I'm just going through a wilderness. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm just doing my best to hold on to God while I'm there, but I'm in the wilderness. Oh, glory to God. Listen, the wilderness is nothing more than a means to an end. What is it that you're supposed to do in the wilderness? You're supposed to get 
out. That's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you stuck there. He doesn't want you to be in the wilderness for the next 25 years. The whole point of the wilderness is to get out. When Jesus was led into the wilderness, he was there for 40 days, but the point was that he defeat the temptation that came upon Adam. Really, this was all about what happened to Adam. He wasn't doing, he wasn't going through this for his own failures, but Adam had failed, and that had led humanity into a place of, of, of uh, sin and separation from God. Jesus was one with God the whole time, but in this temptation, his humanity is what's being tempted, and he came through with flying colors. Hallelujah. Jesus led him there. I'm Jesus. He was Jesus. The Holy Ghost led him there, but he was there to get out. You are wherever you are. If it's a time of testing, temptation, or trial, you're there to get out. That's the whole point. There is nothing beautiful about it. There is nothing poetic about it. Now, you know, many poetic things have come out of wilderness experiences. Many beautiful songs have come out of wilderness experiences. I understand that. But don't romanticize it beyond what it is. God has you there so that there are things that can be tested and tried in your life. And really, it's it's a place where God brings us to expose our vulnerabilities. We don't like that but we are all vulnerable. And whenever we're about to go into another realm of, of relationship with God, and we, the Bible talks about the fact that we grow from glory to glory, line upon line, precept upon precept, from glory to glory, we all are growing and developing. And so there are times where God says to get to point B from point A, you're going to have to deal with a time of testing and trying because there are vulnerabilities in your life that will keep you from being able to be what I need you to be. So we're going to expose those vulnerabilities. Now, God is not going to just come and tell you how bad you are, but sometimes, and this is not the only way this happens, but sometimes we are required, we need to go through a wilderness experience so that God can expose things in us that need to be healed, need to be strengthened, need to be overcome. And then once that happens, and if we turn to God, now, if we just, you know, get lost in the mully grubs, then two things are going to happen. One, the wilderness is going to last a whole lot longer than it should. And two, we're just never going to change. But if we'll cooperate with God, if we'll draw near to him, if we'll go to his word, if we'll repent where repentance is needed, if we'll move on, if we'll change our perspective where that's needed, if we'll learn some things, if we'll learn how to do something. You know, there are things about God and things about living in his will and his purpose that we just don't know how to do. Sometimes God does want us to deal with this thing so that when we come out the other side, we're going to have skills. We're going to have understanding that we did not have before. Now, there are many reasons why we end up there. And the characteristics are often, they're usually like this, solitude. That's why often when we get into this time, these times, we want to withdraw. And if you're in a time of fasting and prayer, there is a withdrawal. But if you're just going through a tough time, don't withdraw from God, certainly. Don't withdraw from the body of Christ. Ramp up your prayer time. Go, go to church more. Get more involved in the things of God. 
talk to to other believers and to leaders and those that can help you because the devil is trying to keep you separated and in solitude. Harshness. There are harsh things that we need to deal with. Paul said to Timothy, you need to endure harshness as a good soldier. Boy, I wish he hadn't said that. But sometimes our wilderness are times of harshness. We're going through tough stuff, but we can get through it. And God knows we can get through it. Hunger and thirst. Here's one that's interesting. Jesus came to the end of this temptation, and it said he hungered because he'd fasted for 40 days. Listen, you need the Holy Ghost. You're going to fast for 40 days. We say, well, I'm just going to go on a 40-day fast. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm just going to drink water. No, you're not. Not without the help of the Holy Ghost. Not without the sustaining power of the Spirit of God in your life. But Jesus had been through that. He'd been through a constant time uh, for 40 days days of pressure, the pressure of the enemy against him. Listen, you can't get through that without the help of the Holy Ghost. But that is a part of the process. And one of the things that I think needs to be, uh, we need to recognize or we need to identify as we're going through trying times is that we are hungry for more of God. That's often a great deal of why we end up in these times. When we're hungry for God, if we'll come to him and say, Lord, I am hungry, maybe we don't feel that way. Maybe we feel all kinds of other pressures. Maybe we're, uh, we feel even depressed or, or, or down or abandoned, anything like that. Just remember, God works in us a hunger and thirst but we have to accept it. We have to desire it. And I, I tell you, when you're in your worst time, go to God and say, Father, I hunger for you. I thirst for you. Holy Spirit, I thirst for you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Even if it doesn't feel real, that's what will work a victory in your life. That's how we can win every day. Uh, what do we find? Uh, why do we find ourselves? Excuse me. Why do we find ourselves? in wilderness times. Well, there are a number of reasons, and I I emphasize the first one, God leads us there sometimes. That's what was happening in Jesus' life. And if we think that's never going to happen in our life, uh, we better think again. Uh, But uh, there are other reasons. Sometimes we're in a wilderness time because we have an adversary called the devil, and he does attack us. I've I've talked about this before. Let me just, just mention it briefly, that sometimes it's the devil. That's why the Bible says resist the devil. The problem with that is it doesn't just say resist the devil. In first, I mean, in James four, uh, uh, six and through eight, it says therefore submit to God. If we don't submit to God first, if we don't cooperate with him, if you're in a hard time, don't go complaining to God. Don't say God, why did you do this to me? Why am I in this? Don't you love me enough? Get that off your mind. Get that out of your mouth and begin to submit to God. Lord, I am where I am right now. Now, what is it you want to do in me? And oh, by the way, the next step to submitting to God is resist resist the devil and he will flee from you. Listen, if we're submitted to God, then, then we realize this isn't the devil. The devil has no place in this. He may be the agent bringing certain things into my life, but I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that this is the way it has to be. I'm going to resist you, devil. I'm going to resist your attack against the promise. I'm going to resist your attack against who I am and what I am, and I'm going to believe God. I'm going to submit to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes we're under attack. Uh, 
that's that's kind of gone out of vogue. There was one time where that's all we talked about, and that wasn't right either. But this idea has kind of gone out of vogue, that there is a warfare that's going on all around us. Paul knew it. He talked about it a lot. And here in James, it's talking about that warfare. We have an adversary, Peter tells us. And so sometimes that's what it's about. More often than not, uh, it's because we made bad decisions. We made mistakes. And sometimes, now, you know, God, God doesn't mind if you make a bad decision. God doesn't mind if you make a mistake. He's there to straighten it out for you. Now, if it's sin, and sometimes we're in a wilderness because it's sin, the first thing you need to do is say, Father, I accept that responsibility. That's part of submitting to God. I realize I did something wrong. Now, I bring that to you, and I ask you to forgive me. And the good news is God says he'll forgive you and cleanse you of any bit of unrighteousness that might be left. Uh, where that sin is concerned. So those are the reasons that we might find ourselves in the wilderness. Again, let me make this statement, and because I got ahead of myself in my little notes here, uh, I'll make it again. God's purpose in the wilderness is the same no matter what got you there, no matter why you're there. It's to come out. Hallelujah. Israel was not in the wilderness to live there. Israel was in the wilderness so that they could go through certain things and get to a place called Israel, and when or Canaan really at that time, and when they got there, they were to come out of the wilderness. The first generation got there and said, nah, it's too hard. Uh, you know, I'd rather stay here. I'd rather go back to Egypt than go in there. That's just too hard. And so they spent 40 more years in the wilderness. Listen, let me tell you, please cooperate with God. You don't want 40 more years in the wilderness. You don't want to go through the same problems. Another thing that's a manifestation of when we don't cooperate with God is we'll go through the same times again and again and again, not because God wants us to, but because that thing in our life is getting us back to that place again and again and again. And God will ask eventually, are you ever going to deal with this? Or are we just going to have to come around this mountain one more time? I think it's better if we let God do in us what he wants to do in us. You know, there is uh, a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, and Ephesians 4 is about the fivefold ministry, and in that section of scripture, uh, it talks about the body of Christ uh, coming to the uh, body of Christ coming to the fullness of Christ, or those in the body coming to the full measure, the full stature in Christ. In verse fourteen, it says this: "So that we need to come to that, so that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but." Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ. God wants us to grow up. Again, not, not really a, a major right now, it seems to me. Uh, I just It is, I'm sure, many places, but a lot of the places I'm hearing from, it's not like, you know, all about growing up. It's all about feeling good. It's all about, you know, God loves you and everything is fine. And, and you know, as long as you love Jesus and Jesus loves you, everything's all right. It just doesn't work that way. God wants us to grow up because, you know what? When I had children... I didn't want to have babies for the next 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I had children so that they could grow and take their place uh, 
and carry on my place in culture, in society, and most importantly, in the work of God and in the church. And so God does not want a whole bunch of babies, you know, that need their diapers changed. In Hebrews, it says, you should be teachers now, but you still, you're still wanting milk all the time. Paul said the same thing. I couldn't feed you meat. I couldn't feed you uh, whole food because you still wanted milk. You are having a hard time digesting that. If you in your life are still having a hard time digesting milk and you've been serving God for 30 years, my friend, you need to start thinking about growing up. Hallelujah. The good news is God's not going to condemn you for it. And here's another thing. And before we close this out today, I feel like there's no way that we can possibly ever uh, fully get through this, fully get through trying times, fully get through wilderness times, unless we understand two words. And I, I talk a lot about these two words. I may have done so on the podcast. I know I have in the blog many times, but I'm going to go over them again because if we don't understand conviction and condemnation, we're not going to make it through because we're going to be overcome by the devil. And the first word to look at is condemnation. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who are the called according to his purpose. Listen, condemnation is not a part of the way God deals with his children. Uh, condemnation always focuses on what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me. That that the idea that there's fundamentally something wrong. In other words, you'll hear things like "You always do this. You never get it right. You just can't. You can't do that. You can't be a good Christian. You can't overcome that sin. You always let anger get in the way. You always let lust get in the way." When you hear that "always" and "never," and it's not talking about God always love you and never leaving you, then you need to get rid of that thought from your mind because that's how the devil brings condemnation. It's a focus on you, what's wrong with you, and the other key of condemnation. And you know, there are many things we hear inwardly. If you don't hear anything but what's wrong and never hear God lead you to a way out, then that's condemnation. I like to liken it to our legal system. Uh, you know, when you go through a, a, a trial, if you committed a crime and you go through a trial, there are two places, two stopping points, if you will. The first one is condemn, uh, conviction. Uh, you get convicted. That just means, yep, you did it. Yes, we proved that you did it. But the second phase is the phase where the sentence is handed out. And that's when a person is condemned. He's condemned to life in prison. He's condemned to uh, to giving up his life. He's condemned to five years. Once that condemnation, now I understand our legal system, there's all kinds of things that can happen after that condemnation, but let's look at it in a more simple perspective. Once that condemnation is there, the sentence has been pronounced, and the only thing left is to carry out the sentence. That's what condemnation in our life is like when we're dealing with God. If we feel condemned, that means that we're wrong, we're bad. We can be wrong without being bad. Boy, that's an important one. We're bad, and therefore we are condemned, and there's no hope, nothing we can do to get out of it. You're condemned. Just stay here in the wilderness and die. And many people do. Many people do. But when we talk about conviction... That's something else entirely, and conviction as a word doesn't necessarily, as far as I could find, appear in the New Testament. Uh, I just did one quick search, but it is an idea that's there. Uh, there's another word called 
exhortation, uh, part of the prophetic, when God says uh, anybody can prophesy unto exhortation, edification, or comfort. Edification is to build up. Comfort is to basically say, everything, God's telling you everything's going to be all right. And if he says it, it's going to be all right. But exhortation is a little bit different. Exhortation, the basic meaning of the word, is uh, an argument or advice intended to incite hearers to action. I like that. It's it's sometimes it's an argument. Sometimes, you know, it's not always easy. It's not always nice. But the point is never to tell you how bad you are. The point is always to move you towards action. You are convicted when you realize that you're wrong. When you realize that you're in a place where you need to grow up a little bit. When you realize maybe that you've sinned. When you realize that God has another step for you to go or that you're just not living the way you should. You get convicted or there's an argument that comes from God that says, you know what? You need to straighten out. And there, it goes farther. This is not my favorite scripture, probably won't be yours, but it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, and you have forgotten. I always read that or had recently read that as, have you forgotten? But it doesn't say that. It says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Now, this is in response to uh, God, uh, um, the, the writer, whoever you believe that is, uh, calling us to lay down the sins and weights that so easily beset us, uh, to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, who And we're not, we haven't striven to death against sin. He has. And you you, you have forgotten the exhortation. There's that word. The word also means a calling alongside. The Greek word is the same word or the same root word that's translated for the Holy Ghost as the helper. The, it, it doesn't, or comforter in, in many translations, helper in other translations. It doesn't just mean that. It means one called alongside to help. And this word exhort means a calling alongside. That's powerful when you think of it. What is God doing? Now, let's read this because it's it's really not fun at all, but let's read it anyway. Uh, this is the exhortation. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor discourage be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Man, I, that's pretty tough. That's strong language. What is God saying? He's saying that he's treating us like his children. And if he treats us like his children, then we need to remember that children are chastened, are exhorted, are sometimes convicted by their fathers, not so that their fathers will feel superior, not so that uh, just because their fathers were annoyed. As a father, that's something we really need to be careful of. No, when God chastens us, when God convicts us, scourges us, rebukes us, it's because he loves us and he knows that there are things in our life that will keep us from going farther in him. There are things in our life that may be open doors. Sometimes what's going on here is there's an open door in your life and you need to you need to straighten that out. You need to either confess a sin or change a practice or get into the word in a different way. I had a friend once who said God gave him a dream. He was pastoring a church and had come under our ministry and God gave him a dream and said, you know, I went down into my basement and there were snakes all over the basement. And the reason was the foundation had holes in it. Sometimes God is saying, okay, time to plug up the holes in the foundation. Hallelujah. But the purpose is not to make you feel bad, although you may. 
Listen, you may. I I don't like it when God points out my problems. I don't like it when he says to me, you know, the problem here is you. Uh, I don't like that at all, and neither does anybody else, but it is part of the process of growing up in God, part of the process of what's going on in the wilderness, and that's why I'm going into this. So there is there is chastening. There is uh, conviction. Uh, I won't go there for time, but 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11 says, Godly sorrow works repentance. And Paul says to the church, I'm glad that you were sorrowful, not because I want you to feel bad, but because that sorrow led you to a place where you fixed some things. You closed up some vulnerabilities. You made some changes that'll help you in the future. All right, so conviction is when God calls us closer to himself. Part of the purpose, part of what's happening when we're in wilderness times, and not all trying times are wilderness times, but many times trying times. I have a lot of times in there, but many times trying times are wilderness times. And the reason what God is doing there is bringing us to a place where we can get out. Hallelujah. The more you cooperate with him, the closer or the quicker you'll get out and come to a place where you can do and you can be what God wants you to be. Let me close by reading this. If God is leading you into a time of testing, he knows you are well able to overcome it. If he's leading you there, he knows you're ready for it. Hallelujah. That is why he led Jesus into the wilderness. If he is the one leading you through this time, embrace him all the more. He will comfort you and you will see the power of God released in your life in a new way. What if it's not? What if it's my mistakes? What if it's the devil? Do the same thing. Embrace him. Understand that God, if he's leading you, he knows you can do it. If, if you stumbled into it, if you got there for the wrong reason, he still knows you can do it. He'll still get you through. If you draw near to him, if you submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And you are going to come to a place where you're going to see an increase in the power and anointing in your life, not just to minister to others, although that's a major part of it, a power and anointing in your life to live as a successful Christian, and you're going to be able to go to bed. The more this process works, you're going to be able to finally come to a place where you go to bed without all that worry in your mind. Listen, I'm still working on it. I'm better than I used to be, and you can be too. It's It only takes our whole life to get there. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. I'm way over time. Have a great week in the Lord, and we're going to talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.